morning, everybody. I am online. It is always a joy to share with you, to see your beautiful faces. You actually don't know how isolated one person is when you're working seven days a week in no church. I mean, the, the sum total of my church is listening to the Catholic sermon that I managed to get online for the lady that I take care of. So I do at least hear the Apostles' Creed every week. <laughs> And I asked Mary to pray for me too. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> okay, sorry. I don't want to offend any of you. Okay. The, this, what I'm going to talk about this morning is something that I don't think is new to many of us. It's a real rehash of something that, I mean, how many years ago were we married? 38 years. So I heard it 37 years ago. It was in this second year of our marriage, that we went and we did a leadership training school. In those days, the DTS leadership training schools, discipleship training, was really huge. And uh, we did this three-month full-time course. And one of the things that came out of it was a teaching by Bob Mumford called um, Scandalon. Who's heard of it? Okay, so it is a good time for us to repeat this. Because I have found that in the church, especially over the last while, there are more and more people that are being scandaloned. They've been eating the bait of Satan. Okay. And as human beings, we are created to be hunters. Women and men, I don't think it's just a male thing. We play hide and go seek. We hide the treasure, we go looking for the treasure. Or if you're a little bit more brave and bold, you'll be like Garth and you'll get a gun and shoot an animal and everybody will throw the blood on his head or whatever. But we are hunters. Whether we're going for fish or animals or fun, we, we're created to be hunted. And I, we are created to hunt, to search out, look for. And I just, was, just got such a picture when I was preparing of that movie, The Hunger Games. Who saw that movie? Okay, it was really, really well done. If you didn't see it, it's basically some funny sci-fi country or what, I don't know. It's its own little country. And they take people from the different provinces, like, say, Orange Free State, Cape Town, Transvaal, and they put them in, in groups. Did they put them? No, individuals. They were going individually. It's a male and a female from each one. And they, they are hunting, but they're being hunted at the same time. And it's the last person standing that is victorious. I mean, we all know that. So I just had such a picture of the church. And that scripture came back to me again, that Satan is like a roaring lion. And he's always seeking, always looking for someone to devour. Yes, you understand grace. Yes, you understand the goodness of God. But there are so many opportunities that Satan creates for us to walk into the trap to become scandalized and to take that bait. So, I am saying today, we have to become vigilant. We have to become aware. I'm probably going to run in and out of my notes, and I don't know if I can even keep place of where I'm at. But, you know, I was thinking like, with rain, when he used to swim on a South African level, he would swim two, three hours a day to do a 28, 27-second dash. And it was all that preparation for us as Christians. 
we sometimes have to prepare a lot longer in order to survive because we live in a fallen world. So we just got to fill ourselves up, fill ourselves up, fill ourselves up with the word of God which remains so that when there's something in our way, we are aware and we see it. Now, I really hope this thing is going to work. Yeah. Uh, fences. We are the hunted one. Okay. Basically, if we know where the trap is set, we won't walk into it. There's a little saying that if a bird watches you putting up a bird trap, It'll stay away. I don't know. You, the bird watchers? <laughs> I don't know if they're that clever. I mean, they say they've got bird brains. but <laughs> And basically, the scripture in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he goes on to this whole thing of being offended. And the disciples say to him, well, how many times should we forgive? And he goes, he says, do the one says seven times, the other says, and anyway, it ends up 70 times 70. So if you can do your maths, that's, you know, how, how many times you need to forgive. But if you go on, down in the scriptures, after he says you've forgiven those people and you've stayed free of an offense and you've done this, then the keys are given to you to bind and to loose. While you are in an offended place or in that prison, the keys don't seem to be as effective. Okay, so it's, it's a place of keeping ourselves free of offense and free of looking down on other people. That's basically the thing. So we all know that it's the demonic powers that set the traps. It's not flesh and blood, but they use flesh and blood. It's just they, they do that. They, they've got no other choice but to use people. So we can see over there, you've got your little trap. You've got the birds and there's bait put down. Now that little stick is called a scandalon. And that's where the whole thing of eating the bait, the minute the scandalon was pulled away, the person is in a trap. And the Bible warns us about walking into these traps. And in Job 33, let me just see. Oh, I just thought I'd play this for you just a little, little, little bit. I hope it works. Um, Steve promised me. If, oh, there you go. It's just how a person is set. He set a trap. And I just wanted you to get that feeling that that little squirrel going into the trap is actually you. There's something in that box that you want. But you've been warned against it, but you want it. And boom, the little squirrel is trapped in that box. Can you not see it there, Logie? Oh, okay. Now the guy walks up close and he shows you how the little animal is behaving. Look, it's getting frantic. It's frantic. It's let me out of there. And we all go, oh, shame the poor little squirrel. Oh, come on, it's so cruel. We're saying that, aren't we? But you know, that's us in so many situations. We've taken the bait, the scandal on the stick has fallen, and we're inside this place which is dark, small, you can't get out of it, you just gotta go frantic. And I mean, 
I had a picture of a girl. You know these girls that get abducted and kept in boxes? I mean, it's, it's terrible. It's graphic and all the rest. But you know like how small your world becomes when you're in a box? Can you just imagine? I mean, people, some people, their biggest nightmare is to be put into a coffin. But if you're in a box and you're kept in that box, all you focus on is how do I get out of the box? And the more you focus on how to get out of the box, the more fearful you become, the tighter you become, and then eventually you become used to the dark. You become used to the small space. It's these, these you, people that have been hulled and abducted don't like the freedom that they are given once they're out because it's, their whole brain, their whole psychology has just tipped around and they can't handle anything big. So what I'm trying to say to you is some of us are in these boxes and we need to be set free from them. Job 33 verse 15 says, God will speak to us at night and warn us of these traps that are set up for us. Have you ever found that during the day when something horrible or something nasty happens to you, that night you become restless, you'll wake up, you'll thrash it out for hours and hours and hours on end. And I think it's God urging you to drop it, to forgive, to forget. Don't eat the bait. Don't go into the box. Jeremiah 5 verse 26 says, Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait. My people. Take notice. Who does he use? My people. You'd love it to be the outsiders, him. Who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch people. What do you think of that? There are people who want to trap you. Okay, so there, let's just cover this little word again. Offense comes from the ancient Greek word scandalon, which means a noose or a trap. It's also used if you want to make somebody stumble or fall, go into pornography or something like that. It, it's a trap that Satan sets for a person, through people primarily. I wish it was a demon because then we would stay away. Hey, if we had our demon glasses on, you see it, just like we'd just stay away. So often he uses people closest to you. Um, it means to feel annoyed or hurt by something or what someone did or said. It's words, mostly. It's what people do around you. I, I think I remember saying to Louise, when people have a party and they don't invite me, I become scandalized. I would rather them invite me and give me the opportunity to say no. <laughs> because you're like, why didn't they invite me? What did I do wrong? Don't they like me anymore? Come on. Is it only me? Or, or who else is like that here? Who likes to also be in the inn? Is it, it's only me. Oh, gosh. Okay. Easily offended. Hey. Jesus entrusted his heart to no one. There's a scripture. Sorry, I just didn't put it up. Because he knew that there were traps set when your heart is just put out on a platter for everybody. You have to watch, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring of your life. In the New Living Translation, Obadiah says, 
Um, all your allies will turn against you. People that were your friends will turn against you. Oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> they will help to chase you from your land. They will promise you peace while plotting to deceive and destroy you. Your trusted friends will set traps for you and you won't even know about it. Who is it that is getting trusted friends, people you love, to set traps for you? It's the people who your heart trusts the most. Trusted friends. And it's not them. We don't battle flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rulers. And that's why when you're offended and you lie awake that night and you're rehashing the scenario, you have to always bring it back into focus. It was not that person that was against me. It's the principalities and powers of darkness. I mean, I, I think there's a scripture, and I could not find it for the life of me. I think they've changed translations of the Bibles too many, Bible too many times now. And I remember it as a young Christian where it said, like, if, if you are offended, your offenses fall on me, Jesus' words. If you are hurt or whatever, or because insulted, those insults fall on me. And that's the that whole thing of the new creation, realizing I no longer live, that it's Christ who lives inside of me. And if you allow your offense to transfer from you as a person, as a human being, into the spiritual realm, you will guard your heart. Okay. So I don't want to make you nervous. I don't want to make you sad. I just want you to prepare for the race of life. Okay, so that you know that when these things happen, that you're actually going to do something about it and not obliviously live in that box. Okay. And also wait for somebody to come and set you free, like the squirrel would have to wait for somebody to set them free. Sometimes we're always waiting for somebody to come and pray the prayer of power for the hour. But God has given us so many tools for self-care. And this is like a self-care tool, is watching out for the box. Symptoms that I've eaten the bait. You can see it on a person's face. They don't smile anymore. <laughs> okay. They're not happy. The joy is gone. Okay. So these are a few of the symptoms that can happen when you become offended, when you become scandalized, and when you're living in this box. So from now on, if somebody comes and they say, hey, get out of your box. Okay. So anger, resentment, wrath become critical. No longer living waters are coming from their mouths, but bitter waters. Uh, it leads to division, rebelling, and fighting, feeling powerless and ineffective. You won't let people get close to you. You, be, you begin to develop a victim mentality. Everybody's out to get me. Insecure. You don't ever feel completely loved. You start feeling very needy. You can, you can become narcissistic and can't be reasoned with. I mean, it's like horrible, and then you need a lot of attention. Those are those needy people, and we all say, oh, watch out for that person, they're a needy person. They're probably in the box, or they withdraw. I've had the box drop in my life a few times. And it's a physical feeling. It's not like, oh, I didn't know I was in the box. You can actually physically feel the restraint going on you. And you've just got to say, have I had a box drop on me in any area of my life? Because there's different areas that this box can drop. 
And Satan knows where you're most vulnerable, so he will target you in that area. I mean, I remember a box that fell on me as we were probably here, probably our second or third year in the ministry here in, at Highway. And Greg and Michelle, who were the previous leaders of the church, Steve and I were great buddies with them. They were like our BFFs. And what happened was we went to the, we used to go to the pavilion on a Monday morning, which was Pastor's Day off, and we'd have breakfast, and the kids would come along, and we'd just have a, a great time. Anyway, we were, I don't know, we were at the little, there was a little fun area there, and the kids were riding little rides, and this couple arrived. Da -da. Oh, Greg, oh, Michelle. They had ministered at Greg and Michelle, Youth for Christ. And they were so gushy, Greg, Michelle, and Stephen and I kind of just stood back watching this whole scenario playing. And Michelle and um, this girl and Greg and this guy, they just started, dip, 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 dip. and it was like we didn't exist anymore. And, and then what happened is I went to stand with Michelle just to be in the little group. And this girl physically went like this and put it back to me. And guess what? The box dropped. I was so angry. I was so hurt. I was so upset. Probably that night I replayed the scenario. It got worse and worse. And I, I hate her. How can Michelle call her a friend and be a friend at the same time? It's like the box had dropped. And let me tell you what, that box stayed on me, not for a day, not for weeks, but for years. Every time I saw that girl, I would manifest in the box like a squirrel. And, and then I would walk away and say, Father, I forgive her. She knows not what she does. I hate her. Come on. Have anybody ever been like that? Okay. And I mean, so anyway, so we eventually took over the church. So da-da-da-da, we're the leaders now. And I knew that this couple were a little bit like of a power couple. They wanted to be around leaders. And I kid you not, the first week we were in charge, I get a phone call from her. Hi, when are we going to get together? And I said, no, we're not. <laughs> no, I said, I love you with the love of the Lord. <laughs> so that happened to me, and I know it can happen to us. But that box can render you ineffective. She was also a prime person in position in the ministry. She could have opened many doors for Stephen and I, and so she and he, in a lot of ways. But because of being in that box, I couldn't take any opportunities that came from her way, and it could limit our ministry. Okay, there's another big box that has fallen. Okay, this is a huge box on the beautiful body of Christ. I've tithed, I've given, I've tithed, I've given. God doesn't give back to me like he says he will. Box is dropping. And then, I mean, coming to this wonderful understanding of the goodness and grace of God, and you start, who do you hate? The church. They took my money. They've robbed me. They owe me. I 
I sacrificed school fees. I sacrificed dance lessons. I didn't eat out. The church took my money. So what are we doing with our money now? We're holding it in the box with us to feel safe. That was what Grace has done to so many people. We had a lovely testimony with Graham last week of where you start letting go again. There is something about the whole law of money that when you give, you're going to receive. There's a financial flow that begins to happen. But because the law was put on it, when it was lifted, we became offended. And when we become offended, we can't give, we can't get out of the box. And everything becomes closed and small. So I didn't say this. I just did the slide. Okay. So you can stay in your little fortress with your pounds hidden under the ground in the sand. Your pounds, sorry, rands. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. So what does it say over here in Proverbs 18? It says it's easier to conquer a strong city than to win back a friend whom you've offended. Their walls go up, making it nearly impossible to win them back. How do you know if you've offended somebody in your family? You put your hand on them. Just put your hand on their shoulder. People in public won't do it as much. They will just cringe a little bit. But if you've got somebody in your inner circle and you've offended them, you touch them, they're going to pull away from you. That's how you know I've offended somebody. Has somebody in your family withdrawn from you? Sometimes we don't know we've offended a person. That's a horrible part of it. I mean, I always get, I mean, because I'm a, I'm a bit silly sometimes, so I'm always getting people coming and saying, I forgive you, Janet. I'm like, for? <laughs> you offended me. When? <laughs> but it's like, I, it's because I just, you know, sometimes say what I want to say. <laughs> and I, I can't stop. I can, I can. Okay, we've got to learn to run to Jesus when we're offended. That night when he comes to visit you on your bed, the night that you've been offended, run to him. 70 times 7, disgusting. Don't deserve it. They don't deserve my forgiveness. But you're trading in a set of keys, if you read lower down, that unlock and lock. What's in the spirit realm? So you can stay there, but let's keep those keys available. So we've got to learn to run to Jesus, run to his fortress. He is our strong tower. I'm hurting. Yes, he knows you're hurting. I'm upset. He knows you're upset. I feel robbed. He knows that you've been robbed. <laughs> it's, he knows. He doesn't mind. But keep yourself free from that box, from being scandalized. Okay. What did this say? I, said so, I wrote something down here. Don't fight with me. It's only something that I have observed. Matthew 24, verse 10. Is that right? If you are easily offended, it could be that you focus too much on being right. You assume that you know more than everybody else. 
feelings are meant to be indicators and not your steering wheel. Okay, don't let your feelings drive you. Indicators? More, but don't make your feelings the main focus to get you through life. Okay. Um, now I'm going to go over it. Matthew 24, verse 10. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Not, the prophets are not people from outside the church. They're in your church. And then it goes, and then lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. Now, this is something I've observed with the church as a whole. When the law was lifted law, on the church, because we now understand old covenant, new covenant, the law has been fulfilled, I'm in grace, what happens? Lawlessness begins. People begin to fall back into their old ways. They don't feel guilty anymore. And you don't have to, I'm not wanting that for you. But we stop listening to the indicators because we know we're good with God. And you are good with God all the time. When you're in the box, when you're in pornography, when you're sinning, when you're lying, when you're cheating, you're stealing, the love of God does not withdraw itself from you. God has said, I will never leave. I will never depart. Even if you go down to the depths of hell, how dark is hell? How full of depravity is hell? The Bible says he will go there with you. I mean, but why do you want to live in the box when you can live on the top floor? Okay, so, and then it says, and the love of many will grow cold. Do you know how cold it is when you're trapped in a little area in the box in the attic or something locked away? I mean, I, uh, sorry, I do, I, I, I do confess, I like Discovery ID, I like CCI, I like all these crime dramas. But they always speak about how cold they are when people are trapped. That's the biggest thing. And that's what happens is when Satan gets you scandalized and in this little box, you become cold. But not, not physically, like in a physical thing, but in a spiritual way, you start to become cold. And, you know, like, it makes the body of Christ a sick place to be. Jesus always alluded to himself as a rock of offense. He came to fulfill the law. And that has offended so many people. It has offended people that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law because they liked their little laws. They liked their little two steps, three steps, four steps. Let's all do it together. They don't want to have that free relationship with God. Oh, John Bevere as well in his book. I mean, I never read The Bait of Satan because um, he's under law. is brilliant and he also speaks about a time where in his ministry he got so offended with somebody and it went on for years and he was grumpy about this person and God kept saying pray for that person and he's saying no I won't <laughs> you know like fighting about and but he's got a lovely story so if you ever want to hear it his story about how he eventually works through this thing with with prayer and fasting and then going to the okie pokey and saying we need to talk about it, let's just forgive each other. And now today they're the best of buddies, after not speaking or even looking in each other's direction for years. But the best thing is the unblocking of his well happens. 
you know, the bitter, dirty, rancid water that is in a blocked well is replaced by fresh water and you can be a blessing to many. Luke 17. I've got time still, thank you. Then he said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offences will come. It's impossible not to be offended, but woe to those to whom the offence comes. It would be better for them to tie a millstone around their neck and kill themselves, jump into the sea, commit suicide, basically than to offend a little one. And this is talking in the context of the disciples. He wasn't saying these people from the outside are going to come in and they're going to offend these children. He just says, you know, the person that comes into the body of Christ with the ambition, with their the, the motive, motive is to offend. We've had that. We've had that. Stephen's even said to a few people, we'd rather not have you around because their primary primary reason to be here is to see how many people they can offend. We've had people like that. I mean, like you, you think it's, but we do. It's like, and they will say what they want to say, they will do what they want to do, and then they just watch people falling into this little box. I don't think they're even aware of it. They, they're victims themselves. And then in Timothy, it says here in chapter 2, verses 23, I've got to stop wearing glasses soon. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. If you've got a talent for that, let Steve know. I think Richard's quite, are you you quite patient with difficult people? You're married to one. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you again. No, Stephen, you're patient with difficult people. No, I'm te- oh, please sit down. Get that box off of you, Heather. <laughs> okay, you've got to be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Be gentle. I mean, it's not always easy, but be gentle. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses. Yep, it's up there. And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless, and they can ruin those who hear them. When you fight in front of other people, you could be the one tying the millstone around the little one's neck. So here he's saying, don't be argumentative. An argumentative person is just a symptom of somebody who has got bait. They've eaten poison bait, and now their water is bitter. Okay, so this is just like a little bit, just to remind you, because it's a teaching that, as I say, I heard so many years ago, but it has stayed with me my entire life. And I just want those of you, just for it to be another little tool in your toolkit, or a little bit of an awareness, a, a swimming fitness, so that when that box drops, you don't let it stay there. Don't let it. I used to get offended with God. Ooh. 
The only thing I think that stopped that was finding my identity in Christ. And I'm talking about new covenant identity. I'm not talking about I'm a born-again Christian. My sins are forgiven. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know that I'm born again, the 155% I'm going to heaven when I die, just knowing my whole status. You know, it's like, if, I, if you know that, it's harder to become offended. But you will, you can still become offended. So, I got offended with God. Oh, if you're so mighty, if you're so powerful, if you're all omnipresent, then why don't you? Come on, have any of you ever said that to God? And if you are able to do this, and if you are able to do that, why don't you? I mean, I remember being so angry at God for introducing me to Stephen. <laughs> we were having a fight. And like, God, you just were out of get me, weren't you? You put me with this impossible person. I know you don't love me. Come on, who's been on our you don't love me God little thing? Yeah, so because I'm offended, the box had dropped. Those are the words that come out of an offended person's mouth. Okay, we just need to return to the top floor, which is repent, which is this re enlighten our brains and go up to where the light is. We're not in that box. So that's how you get out of the the trap of the devil. Psalm 19 verse 11 says, Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Lighten up. Don't be that person that everybody's got to tread on eggshells with. Please. You'll get a lot more dinner invites. You'll have a lot more tea parties. (laughs) So if you if you you offended and you're in the box and bitter water's coming out of you, get rid of it because you want to be a part of what's happening. Okay, so overlook offenses. My family words were thrown around like what what what, what, what does a person throw around? Like confetti. Words didn't hold the same value in my family as they hold in Stephen's held in Steve's family. So I have a little bit of a thicker skin. And I'm not quickly, quickly or easily offended because of it. I mean, my mom would say, oh, you look ugly, get that off, you know. So then I married Steve and I tried to say, oh, you look ugly, get that off. Who? You're speaking to me? What do you think? (laughs) It's just words are just thrown around. And my mom, oh, shut up, Janet, you sound bloody awful. That's what I'm trying to sing as a child. Um, words were just thrown around and we didn't watch out for the little sensitive heart that was going to cry himself to sleep at night. Oh, probably tough enough and I think the whole world's tough, but I know it's not. And I was actually thinking about this whole culture that we've got with children now. I might be wrong. It's just a, it's just a thought. It's like we are so taught now not to say the wrong things to children. Don't hurt their little hearts. And I thought to myself, are we building a generation of children that are going to be easily offended? Because everybody is like always doing this around their kids. And we've got to teach our children. I don't know, I mean, 
the old, there was that old school where it's like, don't make them proud, don't make them arrogant, don't give a compliment, you'll spoil the child. But it's gone all the other way that we are like forever just gushing compliments and positive affirmation and all that over our children and they go into the worker into the marketplace and and they get called or they get married and the person says, Yeah, I'm not doing this right and they're like, they don't know how to handle it. You know, so there's we've got to teach them both that offences can come, they will come. Not might come, they will come, but how do they get out of it? How do they work on? Romans twelve verse eleven says, oh, sorry, eighteen says, Do your best. To live as everybody's friend. <laughs> I'm your friend. <laughs> no, I mean, just be nice. Just be nice. It costs you nothing to be nice. Okay, just love everybody. <laughs> Rick Joyner's book is another, oh my gosh, if you read that book, it's, you'll cry yourself to sleep at night. Uh, was, was it called The Hordes of Hell or what was that one? Rick Joyner's book. Come on, everybody was reading. Every, no, no, the one that came up before that. Everybody was reading at one time. And he had a picture, or he writes this book, this vision of the, I think it was the call, of the church. And here comes the army of God. Da 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 da. But you know what it was? They weren't riding horses, they were riding each other. And they weren't just riding each other, they were vomiting over each other. So you can imagine an army that looks like that. And that, he actually, in that book, he says that's the end time church, what it's going to look like. People riding each other, vomiting over each other. And we are in the end times. And the church is, I don't know, we get power from being powerful and on the top of the hierarchy. And we just got to learn to love each other and be friends with everybody. And then also, you know, know that in Corinthians verse 13, I don't think I put it up, it says, yeah. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take an offense. Pardon? There you go. Not the call. The final quest by Rick Joyner. It's very morbid, very sad. No, but it is. It's very, very sad when you read something like that. Yeah, no, no, we haven't got it in the bookshop. I think we got rid of it when we came into Grace. <laughs> I was so upset. We came into Grace, and now we had to, like, go through all the, like, Grace, Law, Mix of Law. Grace, we had these little piles. And all Joyce Meyer's books were going into the law pile, and I was so upset, and I kept taking them out and putting them into the Grace and then one of the pastors got so upset with me because I came and said, no, but I like it. I mean, it's a life skill. You know, it's like she's teaching life skills. <laughs> you know, but anyway. So, however I say to you, love your enemy, love your enemy, love your enemy, love your enemy. <laughs> Bless the one that curses you. Bless them. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. 
I'd rather do something wonderful for those that love me. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. Love them. Bless them. Do something for them. Pray for them. (laughs) Say no more. (laughs) Who is your enemy right now? Okay. That way, you will stay free. 70 times, 7. And you will have a key. Stay free to have a key. Okay. And then in Philippians 1, verse 9 to 10, he says, I continue to pray for your love to grow and increase. Okay, so he says, like, I know it's hard for you to love these horrible people. So I'm going to pray for your love to increase beyond measure and bringing you into a rich revelation of spiritual insight in all things. We've got to know that love is not put on us. It's inside of us. Love your enemies. Jesus, just love them through me because you know me right now, Lord. Uh, I want to kill them. Bless your enemies. I don't think I'm going to give this to them. I'm just going to rather give this to Carrie because I know she loves me. (laughs) So he says he wants us to have a rich insight to the spiritual things. And then it says, no, let's go back. It says here, this will enable you to choose the most excellent way of all, becoming pure and without offense until the unveiling of Christ. This is just a little life skill in Ecclesiastes. If a ruler's anger rises against you, if you get to your workplace, don't leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. Stay calm in the situation. Don't get up and get all happy and say, yeah, I don't need you either. You know, it's if if the person who's in charge of you or over you gets happy puppy, stay calm. Let's breathe in. (laughs) Breathe out. Okay. And then we have to just finally we know that Jesus was delivered for our unto death for our offenses. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through the Lord Jesus Christ, the Anointed One. Let's move back. Let's change our minds about the situations we find ourselves in and go back to the top floor. It could be your spouse that has offended you. The ones that you love the most, it could be a work colleague, it could be your child, it could be a cousin, it could be the church, it could be God. We, you know, but we've got to realize that we, our job, that's how I say when I said I was offended with God, coming into a knowledge of the understanding of the fullness of God, it's I have the authority. Authority has been parted down to you, Janet. Authority has been given to you to open the doors to set the captive free. We don't have to stay captive in the little squirrel box or in our offended little box. We're not actually safe there. We think we are. Because you think, if I stay here, I can't get hurt again. 
offenses are going to come again and again and again and again and again and again and again. It will happen until the unveiling of Jesus Christ. What we do with those offenses is paramount to us standing in that authority with the keys of loosing, opening, setting other people free. I'm free. I can set other people free. I'm not bound anymore. I can unbind. it's, It's such an amazing place of authority. I just want you to live free. Free to be yourselves. How do I put it off, Steve? This bum bum. There you go. I just want you to live free. And I just want us just to close our eyes. Just close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, who is inside of you, by the way, if you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've asked him to save you from this fallen world and you've put your faith and your trust in him, Satan hates that. But if he can take you and put you in a box and keep you ineffective as a Christian, he will. So I want you by the Holy Spirit right now to ask God to reveal to you any area of offense that you have found yourself in. I don't want anybody coming to apologize to me or or forgive me afterwards, please. I don't want that. If I've offended you, I'm sorry. Okay, you don't have... But I want you to see anybody who comes to your mind. It could be a child. It could be a school teacher. It could be somebody in the marketplace. It could be a church. Just see that. And I want you just to say, I release myself from the hold that situation, that person, that event has over me. Just release yourself. I release myself. I release myself. Release yourself. And by the Spirit of God, this morning, I want to come up against the spirit of self-righteousness. I am safe and in my own tower. I come up against that spirit because we are righteous in Christ and in our freedom in Christ. I want to break it off of you right now in Jesus' name. I want to break off pain and rejection. That spirit of pain and rejection that has closed the key of that box. I break that off of you right now in the name of Jesus. A spirit that is telling you to be disappointed in the provision of God. I break that lie over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take your mind back up to the top floor. As it is in heaven, it will be in your lives. In Jesus' name.